We begin our show in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Most sweet Jesus, whose overflowing charity for men is requited by so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt, behold us prostrate before you, eager to repair by a special act of homage the cruel indifference and injuries to which your loving heart is everywhere subject. Mindful, alas, that we ourselves have had a share in such great indignities, which we now deplore from the depths of our hearts. We humbly ask your pardon and declare our readiness to atone by voluntary expiation, not only for our own personal offenses, but also for the sins of those who, straying far from the path of salvation, refuse in their obstinate infidelity to follow you, their shepherd and leader, or, renouncing the promises of their baptism, have cast off the sweet yoke of your law. We are now resolved to expiate each and every deplorable outrage committed against you. We are now determined to make amends for the manifold offenses against Christian modesty and unbecoming dress and behavior, for all the foul seductions laid to ensnare the feet of the innocent, for the frequent violations of Sundays and holy days, and the shocking blasphemies uttered against you and your saints. We wish also to make amends for the insults to which your vicar on earth and your priest are subjected, for the profanation by conscious neglect or terrible acts of sacrilege of the very sacrament of your divine love, and lastly, for the public crimes of nations who resist the rights and teaching authority of the Church which you have founded. Would that we were able to wash away such abominations with our blood. We now offer in reparation for these violations of your divine honor the satisfaction you once made to your eternal Father, on the cross, and which you continue to renew daily on our altars. We offer it in union with the acts of atonement of your Virgin Mother and all the saints and of the pious faithful on earth, and we sincerely promise to make recompense as far as we can with the help of your grace. For all neglect of your great love and for the sins we and others have committed in the past, Henceforth, we will live a life of unswerving faith, of purity of conduct, of perfect observance of the precepts of the gospel, and especially that of charity. We promise to the best of our power to prevent others from offending you and to bring as many as possible to follow you. O loving Jesus, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mother, our model in reparation, Deign to receive the voluntary offering we make of this act of expiation, and by the crowning gift of perseverance keep us faithful unto death in our duty and the allegiance we owe you, so that we may all one day come to that happy home where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So today on the show, since we don't have a panel, uh, you know, Teresa and I could do a roundup all show, um, but Teresa, I've been thinking about one of my favorite verses of sacred scripture, and it's not really a verse, a whole chapter, chapter 51 of the book of Psalms. We're going to hear it in a few weeks 
uh, with the, the beginning of Lent, we think of the beginning, have mercy on me, God, in your kindness, in your compassion, wipe out my offense. And we, we continue to read in, in verse 4, thoroughly wash away my guilt and from my sin cleanse me. Uh, but going down into the psalm later on, there is a great verse that says, cleanse me with hyssop that I may be pure, wash me, and I will be whiter than the snow. So I thought, what better thing to do on a snow day than to talk about the sacrament of reconciliation? And I was very uh, privileged at the beginning of this week to sit down with Bishop Thomas Paprocki of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois for what started out as a quick conversation about the sacrament and quickly turned into an in-depth catechesis. And so that's what we're going to do today. So a little different format, uh, a little bit of long-form segment here on Roadmap to Heaven this morning, but let's be honest, most of us are probably still at home, not going out in this weather, not going out in this snow. To those of you out on this Friday morning, and then, and especially to the road crews, I salute you. Yes. Uh, I am looking forward to tomorrow morning where I do not have to get up and endeavor to go anywhere. So with that, let's take a break. And when we come back, Bishop Paprocki will be joining us. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are done with snow, but we are not finished with its effects because this snow will refrigerate our air mass. So partly sunny today, a high of 25, but it will be very cold tonight with a low of zero. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high on Saturday of 28. Sunday, lots of sun with a high of 35 to 38. Today is the feast day of St. Casimir. Born in Poland in 1458, he was the second of the 13 children of the King of Poland and Grand Duke of Lithuania. Casimir had a gift for speaking and was a good student, but because of his heritage, his royal obligations began at a very early age. When he was 13, a military campaign was launched to install him as the King of Hungary. The campaign was not well supported, however, and Clearly outnumbered, a third of his troops deserted because they had not been paid. The campaign failed and Casimir returned home. His angry father had him confined for three months, but it was a turning point for Casimir. He spent the rest of his life in prayer, mortification, study, and celibacy, refusing to marry even though it was a royal obligation. He developed tuberculosis and died on this day in 1484. He was buried with his favorite hymn, Daily, Daily, Sing to Mary. Here is the first verse. Daily, daily, sing to Mary. Sing my soul, her praises do. All her feasts, her actions honor with her heart's devotion true. After his death, there were many miracles attributed to Casimir, including when he appeared to the Lithuanian army and showed them where they could safely cross the river. St. Casimir, please Pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. One of the things we talk about quite frequently on the show is that we need to make a good, regular confession. And we talk a lot about examining our conscience and doing that midday exam and a daily examination of conscience to help us prepare should we need to go if we're in a state of mortal sin and we certainly want to be back in that state of grace. Uh, but what does that mean, a good confession? And, and how often should we go, especially if we're graced to avoid mortal sin for a stretch? We turn to an expert for these answers, and I can think of no one better than one of our bishops 
who is the, the chief teacher of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, Bishop Thomas Paprocki, Your Excellency, so good to have you with us in studio today. Hello, Adam, and hello to all of our listeners. So, Your Excellency, let's start here. Uh, we, we talk about the need to make a good, regular confession. Uh, what are the tenets or the, the hallmarks, you will, if you will, of a good confession? Well, a good confession, I think we start with an examination of conscience. And so what does that involve? Uh, you know, in a business, uh, the, the person who's managing a business has to do a daily accounting. You can't just sort of let it go and say, well, at the end of the month, you'll try to make sure that the numbers <laughs> add up. You have to do that every day to make sure that you stay on top of it and that, uh, that you have your accounting accurate. Uh, and then at the end of the month, you can do a monthly accounting because you've been keeping it current every day. Well, I think if we take the same approach to... Uh, the most important business is the business of our souls and our salvation. Uh, we should do that on a daily basis and not just say w once a month or every six months or whenever we get feel moved to go to confession, but we do, a do it on a daily basis. Uh, I, I recommend at least at the end of the day, if not little checkpoints along the way, but at the end of the day to just take some time and quiet reflection and go back uh, over the day. And I would uh, suggest pros and cons. You know, do, uh, start our prayer with gratitude to thank the Lord for all the gifts and blessings. You reflect back and all the good things that happened to you that during that day. And, uh, and, and if we do stop and pause, I'm sure we'll find something that was good that day. And I think that's always a positive way to start. And then to look back and say, well, okay, where are some of the areas that I fell short? And, uh, some of those may be very obvious where you just know uh, you said something curt or, uh, hurtful to somebody that's, you know, stuck in your mind and you thought, well, I shouldn't have said it or, and maybe I still need to apologize to that person. Uh, and maybe there's other things that uh, uh, maybe don't come to mind until you reflect on it. And so that's where it's good to have um, a guide uh, for that. So there are various uh, guides for examinations of conscience out there. You can find many of them online, I'm sure. But the, you know, the easiest would be simply to go through the Ten Commandments or, or the Capital Sins, uh, the Beatitudes. And with each one of those, just point by point, uh, sort of a checklist, how have I done uh, comparing with all of those? Now, I remember recently my uh, middle daughter was preparing for her first reconciliation, and she found it helpful to write everything down. She she made a list to have with her because they worked all uh, all week, but really for months preparing her, but all week going through that examination of conscience. And then when we were finished, she said, what do I do with this list? And I said, well, Dad's having a, a fire out in the backyard uh -huh. tomorrow night. We'll just throw it in the fire pit, make sure it's destroyed and get rid of it. Is that all right for us to do? I mean, I'm, I'm 38, almost 39 years old. If, if I need to write things down, is that okay? Yes, that's fine. I mean, it's, it is good to keep in mind uh, the confidentiality of that, for one thing, is if you don't want to keep that in a notebook and you have a, <laughs> have a notebook someday that you forget about and somebody looks and, oh, here's all of uh, Joe's sins <laughs> that he wrote down here. Um so you can, if you have a shredder, you can shred it, you know, but uh, or or throw it in the fire, burn it, whatever, uh, get rid of it. But uh, yeah, if you find it helpful, uh, particularly if you're the kind of person that maybe you're nervous when you go to the confessional, and your your nervousness uh, makes you forgetful, and then you're you're adds, adding to your nervous because you say I, I I don't know if I'm going to remember everything that I'm supposed to say. So uh, so to jot it down and to write it down, I think would be good. The other reason for not keeping it. Uh, keeping a copy of that, if you do write it down, is not only in terms of the confidentiality, but I think also that what that would uh, reinforce is the sense that once you've confessed your sins and received absolution, they're forgiven, and you should forget about it. So, so you're not keeping a record of what are all the sins that I, I confessed in the past. Once you've received absol absolution, 
you know, if you do write them down, that could almost be uh, a symbolic act on your part too, is you, you put them in the shredder and you say, my, my sins have all been shredded when I received absolution. <laughs> all right, well, there you have it. So we, we do our examination of conscience, uh, ideally multiple daily. You know, we, we, we make at least one a day, and so that'll be several days, and then we get to church, and Father hears confessions on this day at this time. We arrive, um, we're in line, it's our turn to go into the confessional. What comes next for us? What comes next? Well, I would say, uh, first of all, if, if that's part of a person's anxiety, you know, that, uh, gee, I, it's been a while since I've gone to confession, I don't know exactly the formula or how I'm supposed to do it, I would suggest uh, just be very frank and honest with the priest. I mean, that's, that's what confession's supposed to be all about anyway. It's a very honest disclosure of the state of your soul. And if that's where you're, you're at, just start out that way with the priest and, and say something like, you know, it's... Uh, uh, I, I don't remember exactly how to do this. Can you help me, Father? And I'm sure every, any, every and any priest will be very uh, very helpful in that situation. But basically, it's also a very simple outline. I mean, just to, to start, a starting point is um, the, the, the easiest formula, bless me, Father, for I've sinned, or forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. And then just say how long it's been since your last confession. It's been a week, it's been six months, it's been 10 years, whatever it is. That's very helpful to the confessor because if it's only been a week and you've got a long uh, list of sins, I mean, that might suggest something to the confessor too. Like what, you've only, it's only been a week and you've got all these sins uh, in a week and you really commit that many sins in a week or are you being overly scrupulous maybe about some things? Uh, On the other hand, if, uh, if it's been 20 years and the, you know, it's been, Father, it's been a long time, it's been 20 years since my last confession, and and your your confession is just very general. Well, I I guess I've done sing, some things that were wrong, and um, you know I've hurt some people, and for that I'm sorry. Yeah. If that's the end of the confession, the priest might say, "Well, uh, maybe we can try to get a little more specific." <laughs> I, you know, I've I've heard a lot of people say, "Your Excellency," that they get hung up on that very thing. The it, it has been X long since my last confession. And they're afraid to say, you know, if, if it's been 10 years, perhaps, or 20 yeah. years, that that becomes a statement of, I, I'm such a terrible Catholic, the priest must be thinking, oh, wow, you really are horrible, you haven't been in 20 years. But then the, the testimonies I hear are quite the opposite, that actually Father says, praise God, that even yes. after 20 years, you're here, and this is a wonderful thing that you're here. It's, it's not a statement of negativity about you. It's, it's a statement about how wonderful it is that the grace of God has worked, and, and you're here. Yes, absolutely. As, as a priest confessor, that's been my reaction. When someone says it's been a long time, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, well, you, we've been a terrible person. You've been away for so long. First of all, there's that sense of rejoicing, and that's what the whole parable of the prodigal son is about. And the prodigal son comes back, and it's really... That parable is really about the love of the father, that he's, he's out there with his, with his arms outstretched and he's waiting for his son to come back. And I think that's the attitude of, of the priest in confession is when you say it's been a long time, the priest says, well, thank God you've come back. Um, so there is that sense of rejoicing. I, I think also the priest may ask, I do ask this sometimes, uh, what brought you back? You know, and, and that's not, again, that's not in a necessarily a challenging way, but uh, it's more of a discernment of the spirit, I think. You know, so there's something was moving spiritually in that person's heart that brought them back after 20 years, and uh, probably a very good thing. So if there, if if it is, it could it could be something they read, maybe a, a TV show that they watched, a religious program, maybe something that a person said to them, maybe their spouse 
said something that inspired them. And, and then for, I think by asking that question, getting that answer, that also gives the confessor uh, uh, an idea of, well, here's maybe a building block. Something brought you back. Let's build on that and, and see what we can do. It reminds me of the last time I went to the doctor. It, it was not for a well visit. And he, the doctor said, Adam, what brings you in today? Yeah. And, you know, answering that question greatly helped him diagnose what was going on and getting me to a, a better place. So I think that's wonderful. Now, we're taught that with every confession, if we have committed a mortal sin, first priority when we make our confession of sins is, uh, Father, I have committed the mortal sin of name the mortal sin, on, and then the number of occasions. And that's a very important thing to do. Um, we do an examination of conscience. That, again, that helps us to know these things. What if it's been a long time, and, and we know we've committed some mortal sins, but we don't remember exactly three times, four times, ten times, what, whatever it may be. Is it all right to say, Father, I, I know I've committed the sin, but I don't know how many times. It's you know been a good number, but I don't know the specifics. Uh, yes, we are supposed to confess a uh, number in kind, um, but we again, not to be overly scrupulous with that. So you know, especially if it's been a while and it's it, you have a hard time uh, getting an exact count of how many times you might have done something. For example, it is a it's a serious sin not to go to mass. So, but let's say you haven't gone, you haven't been in confession in ten years. Uh, does that mean you have to go back through all your calendars and try to count out and see how many Sundays did I miss now and did I go that Sunday or did I not go that Sunday? You know, I think they're uh, even a, a more general kind of a statement. Say, yeah, Father, it's been 10 years since my last confession, and in those 10 years, I really haven't been very good about going to Mass. Maybe, um, and even then, if it's just a round number, maybe I go once a month, or maybe I just go on Christmas and Easter. Again, that gives the, the priest an idea of the extent of your sin and also the extent of, of your remorse. So, and, and not uh, confessing number and kind, uh, have, to, have to make a difference between simply forgetting or not knowing, because you just don't know the exact number, or concealing. Uh, if you, for example, if, if a person has committed adultery six times, you know, and is pretty much aware of each occasion when, when he or she committed adultery, and, but you don't want to sort of admit that, you say, well, I guess I committed adultery a few times. You know, it's like, well, maybe a little more specific about that. On the other hand, if, if, if you've been, if that person's been very promiscuous, and again, just, just not keeping count, just a confession that would say, Father, I've been sexually very promiscuous and lots of relationships that I'm very sorry about. Um, you know, I, I think the idea there is uh, confessing this, this sin, being honest about it, and uh, being repentant. That's the key thing, is being sorry for what you've done and, and then making a firm purpose of amendment to turn away from that sin. I know that sometimes priests do ask questions, especially to get to the root of things to say, we want you uh, to be able to get through everything, as you just mentioned. And one of those questions I, I'm sometimes asked, or um, others are asked, have you received Holy Communion since you committed a mortal sin and this confession? And uh, praise God, there was a period in my formation where I finally learned that, that you know, if we're in a state of mortal sin, we should not receive Holy Communion. Um, but I remember the priest asking me, it, it was a first confession in a long time, several, several, several years ago, and he said, okay, well, each of those times you received Holy Communion, probably too numerous to count, was a sin of sacrilege, but you're hearing confession, so this is the, the appropriate place to to bring that out. Um, 
again, this sounds like something not so much a judgment. Oh, Adam, you're a terrible person because you did this. But Father really just wants us to be able to make a thorough, good confession so that we can receive that absolution. Yes, I think that uh, in cases like that, the priest may be pointing out some areas that um, maybe we're oblivious to. You know, So the fact is the Church does teach, as you mentioned, that to receive Holy Communion uh, in the state of mortal sin is considered to be a, a sacrilege. It's a sacrilegious communion. Now, it, it may be that the person doesn't know that, um, in, in which case, you know, you have to, to commit a mortal sin, you really have to have awareness. You have to know and you have to, to will to commit that sin, even though you know it's a serious sin. But that also is helpful for the, the future. So if you're oblivious to the fact, even something more simple uh, is that uh, apparently some, many people these days are not even aware that it is a mortal sin to miss Mass on Sunday. And, the, and that's still part of our teaching. So if the person is uh, you know, maybe... Again, so the confession is I haven't been to mass. To, uh, I haven't been to confession in many years, and then the person tells all their sins, but they don't mention the fact that they've missed mass. The priest might ask. He say, "Well, um, have you been going to church in the last ten years or when?" And then the person will say, "Well, I go once in a while." Uh, well, that's an indication the person pre- probably doesn't even realize that they're committing sins by not going to mass. So again, it's not, it's not trying to multiply the sins, but it's really trying to help that person to grow spiritually, to be aware of their shortcomings, because that's how we can improve and overcome those sins. We're going to pause here and take a break. When we come back, we will continue our conversation with Bishop Thomas Paprocki about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. If you're just joining us this morning on Roadmap to Heaven, we're taking a bit of a snow day, and it's a great opportunity to sit down and talk with Bishop Thomas Paprocki of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois about the Sacrament of Confession, and we'd like to continue that conversation now. It's easy to think of the, the dramatic moments in life, those big moments of conversion or reversion and coming back to the sacraments after so long, and I, I find that in talking with friends now, and the sa- subject of confession comes up, one of the things that we all wonder from time to time then is beyond that. You know, We know mortal sin in number and kind— but then what to confess beyond that and how much detail to go into. Uh, I'll use an example. It's something I'm very open with. As a father of five children, sometimes I lose my patience with our children and I might raise my voice to them or say something uncharitable Mm -hmm. to them, and I I take that into the confessional. And oftentimes it's, uh, Father, I I lost my patience with our children and was uncharitable in my words to them. you know, and then I'm left wondering, is that sufficient for a good confession, or do I need to go into more detail? Here's the situation, and here's what they were doing. Um, and I find that there there was a time in my life that I would go in and say, well, Father, I committed these sins, but then I would try to justify mm-hmm. uh, why I fell victim to that temptation or why I, I fell into that sin. Um, what sort of details should we go into, then, beyond mortal sins number and kind? Well, uh... I would say, first of all, when doing the examination of conscience and making up the list of sins that you want to confess, whether you're, you're making that list in your, in your head or on paper, always start with the most serious sins. And uh, most serious sins, uh, not only in terms of the teaching, what the Church teaches are mortal sins, but also most serious in terms of what's bothering your conscience. Because uh, we talk about an examination of conscience, that's really what you're, you're looking at. It's, it's like... What is bothering me? What what do I know? What is my heart telling me that I did wrong? 
And so to start with that, because you again, uh, if you're if you're doing this uh, from from memory, you want to make sure that you get the serious sins and you don't forget them. Uh, so you get those out of the way, and then and and then you get to the maybe the lesser sins later. And again, that would be uh, a a question of um, trying to be, I think, um, thorough uh, without necessarily being scrupulous. Now, uh, again, the priest can help you navigate that. So. If if uh, if your confession is maybe if it sounds a little bit too vague uh, to the the priest, he might probe a little bit, and so a person might say something like, uh, "Well, gee, um, you know, my wife and I haven't been talking, you know, for the last week or so, and so we're just not getting along, and so I'm I'm sorry about that." Well, the priest might say, "Well, what what's going on? Why aren't you talking to your wife, or why is she not talking to you?" And so, because a part of it, not it's not only confessing the sin. Now, the the other caution is confession is not therapy, so it's not a counseling session. But there are times when, if there's something, you know, we we call it not only confession, but we also call it the sacrament of reconciliation. So reconciliation is how we we are reconciled with God when we commit sins, but also the sins against our neighbors or our loved ones. So if you're confessing the sin that my relationship with my spouse is broken or just not the way it should be, or my relationship with my children is broken, what the confessor is, is going to try to do is not only f- to, to give you absolution and forgive that sin, he's going to try to help you to, to, to overcome that sin. So if the relationship is broken, the questions might be along the line, well, how can you fix that? You know, uh, is it something you did that you need to apologize to your spouse, or is it something, you know, she did and you're holding a grudge? Uh, and 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 maybe a way to talk that out to see how you can be reconciled truly with that person. Someone once said to me that um, one of the oddities, for lack of a better word, about the sacrament of reconciliation is that for the penitent, we are both, in a sense the prosecuting attorney and the defendant. We are the accuser and the accused. If we're doing this right, we are listing everything that we have done wrong, every sin we have since our last confession. And then as the the accused, we say, yes, guilty as charged. I, I plead guilty to this. And in doing so, in, in, in that somewhat paradoxical relationship between the accuser and the accused, we make that good, thorough confession, and that makes it ever more joyful the mercy that we receive then through absolution. I mean, I, I've heard it said numerous times as a reassurance to children and, and, and high school teenagers when I worked in youth ministry and even working with adults in the parish. You know, there, there is no sin that you can commit that if you are repentant, our Lord will withhold forgiveness. No, no matter how bad it is, if you're truly repentant, you can be forgiven. And, and, and I—that's a true statement. I hope <laughs> that is absolutely true. You know, and so the the key there is in terms of one's contrition and one's uh, a, a firm purpose of amendment not to commit that sin. So we we don't go through a confession sort of like going through a car wash. It's like okay, I committed these sins in the past week. Uh, I know I'm going to commit them again, but I'll be back next week and I'll just confess them again next week. So uh, that's that's kind of like uh, defeating the whole purpose of it. No, the idea of it's it's a true conversion. You know, our Lord called people to repentance. That would go back to when he first started his public ministry, repent and believe in the good news. So the first step is to repent. And the good news is your sins are forgiven. But, uh, you know, Jesus also told sinners when he forgave them, go and sin no more. 
So it's not that, okay, your sins are forgiven and you can go out and commit some more sins because you'll get forgiven again next week. No, we always have room for improvement. I mean, so we, we shouldn't leave the confession confessional thinking, well, I'm never going to commit a sin again. I, certainly it's our intention not to commit a sin again, uh, but it should be a strong, um, we call it a firm purpose of amendment, that I, I'm going to amend my life, which means I'm going to make a change, and that means the sins that I just I just confessed, I'm going to do my level best with God's grace not to commit those sins again. But once we, we are truly contrite, uh, then absolutely, then the, that's that's the beauty of that uh, of the of of the confession and the absolution uh, that you receive uh, from the priest. And that's the other thing I like to say to people who maybe uh, express some reservations about going co- uh, to confession, or they may think, "Why do I need to do that? I can just pray to God myself and tell Him my sins." And and that's true to an extent. But what I always uh, remind people is, well, do you hear those words of forgiveness? You know, unless you have some special pipeline to God, uh, it's the priest who is uh, an, another Christ, an altar Christus in the confessional, and it's the, the priest saying, I absolve you. And that's what lifts the burden. That's what, you know, when you go in there burdened by your sins and the priest tells you you're absolved of your sins and that weight has been lifted from your shoulder and shoulders, and most people will talk about uh, the great... Uh, you know, you let out a sigh of relief and you leave the confession and you just have this great feeling of ref- uh, being refreshed and starting over again. I want to go back to that firm purpose of amendment for just a moment and, and look at this from two ways, uh, if we may. First is the reality that if someone is struggling with something, and they do have that firm purpose of amendment, but it's going to be a struggle to resist temptation as they build that discipline to live a holy life. Um, I know several have shared with me, and and again, even myself at one point, have fallen into that trap of the devil that you go to confession, you've got that firm purpose of amendment, you make it four days, Mm -hmm. and you find yourself right back where you started, and there's that voice of the devil saying, Adam, would you look at that? Why do you even bother? Why do you, why even go to reconciliation? You just you're you're going to end up. It's it's only been four days, and here you are back at square one again. And I fell into that trap, and that kept me away. And I remember the priest saying to me, "Don't ever let your pride hold you back. If if you are struggling with this, and you come to confession today, and tomorrow you commit that sin, and you need to come back tomorrow because you're struggling, then you come back to confession tomorrow if you're able mm-hmm. to. Um, but as soon as possible." And, and don't let pride hold you back from that. Um, what would you say to that person? Again, it's not the, the car wash, well, I'll just get clean of my sins and then I'll go commit them again and come back in a week. But they really are struggling. What, what would you say to that person? Well, I'd say, first of all, to recognize that some sins are habitual. And so breaking habits uh, uh, is, not, is not an easy thing to do. And so that's the difference between virtues and vices. Uh, they're both habits. Virtues are good habits and vices are bad habits. So... Uh, what we want to do is replace the vices with the virtues, replace our bad habits with good habits. But the fact that they're habits means that um, they, they're they not necessarily going to go away uh, right away. So it's something you've got to work on. And um, sometimes for some people it's, it's uh, a character flaw or a weakness, and the devil knows our weaknesses. So uh, that's precisely what he's going to go after. And so a person who is, is uh, truly contrite and, and is sorry and uh, for whatever sins they committed and makes that resolution not to commit that sin again, 
uh, but then finds himself or herself just even a few days later, maybe even a few hours later, falling into sin again. She recognize, okay, the devil knows my weakness. He's pulled me back into the sin. Uh, but but not to give up, because that's that's the sin of despair. That's the sin of Judas, is that, uh, gee, I'm committing these sins over and over again, and I guess uh, God's not going to forgive me. Um, no, God God understands our weakness, and the, and the priest is going to be very compassionate too. That's that's very different though from a situation where a person, uh, as I said just uh, earlier, was uh, you know just think, well, I'll get my sins forgiven. I'm going to keep commi- committing these sins. I don't really intend to stop doing them because I know I'll get forgiven right uh, in advance. That's a different story. So then on the on the other side of that, uh, one of the things I've heard many priests say, and I. I've been blessed to experience myself as well as many friends that when you make a frequent confession, especially when you are struggling and you're trying to overcome that vice and live a life of virtue, is that frequenting the sacraments and reconciliation and the Eucharist, uh, God willing, we get to a point where we are successful at overcoming that. We're living a life of virtue. And so maybe before it was every Saturday, I was going to confession with the, the same sins that I was trying to overcome. And now... I find myself maybe three, four, five weeks before I'm doing my examination of conscience and saying, I need to get back to confession right away because I have a mortal sin and, and I need to confess that right away. What's a good interval? Perhaps if, if we are just, we're on a, a, a good path of virtue and it's been a few weeks since we've been to confession, but we don't have a mortal sin to confess that we're aware of. What's a good interval for when we should next go to the sacrament? Well, I would say a minimum of once a month, um, preferably twice a month. And I think for those who, there are there are some like members of, of Opus Dei, I know that part of their uh, devotional life is to go once a week. Uh, and I do encourage frequent confession because I, I think that not only does it uh, help if we have sins to have them forgiven, obviously, but I think that frequent confession is a way to uh, motivate us Um not only is it good, I think, to go to frequent confession, but I, I think it's good to have have a confessor, some the same priest that you go to. And in, in this case, I, I know we we have the option of anonymous confession going behind the screen, and and that's that's fine too. But in some ways, maybe it's it's not even a bad idea if if the confessor knows who you are, if you have a regular confessor, and you're going to that person because that could actually be a way of um, uh, motivating you not to commit those sins again. You know, so it's like if you let's say you go to confession every week, and um, and you're tempted to commit, you've got, you've just gone to confession, and you're tempted to commit that sin again, and you have in your mind, gee, I don't want to have to confess this sin again next week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and so there's there's some motivation there to say, okay, uh, I, maybe that is uh, verging on pride a little bit. I'm going to be, I'm not going to give in to that sin because I don't want to have to confess it next week. But at the same time, I, th- I think it is a way to, to motivate us to, to say, okay, I, w- I, want to, I want to know that I'm making progress. Uh, and I mean, that progress comes through, through God, God's grace. So I, and I think sometimes if, uh, let's say it's been a week and, and you can't even think of anything really serious. Do you have to go to confession? No. Uh, well, our venial sins are actually forgiven when we receive Holy Communion. You know, so we only have to, have to go to confession if we are more conscious of mortal sin. Uh, be that as it may, I mean, it's, let's say, um, let's say you can't even think of many venial sins, but you, you can go. We we call that a devotional confession, and uh, I would even just say that to the priest, Father. It's been it's been a week since my last confession. Um, I I can't really think of anything serious that I've committed. I just want to make a devotional confession, 
and ask forgiveness uh, or just express my remorse. I know they're forgiven from the past and from previous confessions, but uh, again, to tell God that I'm sorry for all the sins that I've, I've committed. And I think, again, that's just uh, it's, it's, it's receiving the grace and having the opportunity to receive the grace of the sacrament to keep us uh, on, this, on the right path. Let's pause here and take another break. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning where we're talking about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. It's kind of a different day here on Roadmap to Heaven where we are continuing our conversation with Bishop Thomas Paprocki about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So we've made our examination of conscience. We've confessed our mortal sins if we have any in number and kind. We've confessed our venial sins. Maybe we're just there making a devotional confession as you uh, just stated. We confess and then Father will usually give us a penance and then offer absolution. Um, we've been very clear so far about absolution. That, that formula, when it is said in the confessional, if Father is uh, satisfied that you have that purpose of amendment and that you are uh, contrite or sorry for your sins, he offers absolution. And that wipes all of your sins away. Um, what is the purpose of the penance? Uh, the purpose of the penance is twofold. I think it's to express our, our remorse, um, to, to the Lord that we really are sorry that we're willing to do some penance to show our remorse and our contrition, that it's not just something we take for granted. I confess my sins. Oh, that's nice. You know, God forgave me. But we're still sorry. Even though we're forgiven, we, there's still this sense. You know, if you have if you have a fight with a person, for example, and, and you apologize, you, so you've made up, but there's there's still that sense of, of, of remorse that, uh, you know, somehow I want to make that up. So I think also in our relationship with, with the Lord that there's this sense of, uh, of justice, you know, that we owe the Lord something. And some, in cases of some sins, like stealing, for example, um, there is the obligation to make restitution. So if you've stolen money from somebody, uh, there's an obligation to, make, to give that money back, if that's at all possible. So but I think the same thing in a, in a relationship. Uh, so when it, it comes to um, the penance, I think... As you said, oftentimes it's prayers, you know, our fathers, Hail Marys, maybe a rosary or maybe maybe a litany or something like that. Or, or sometimes the priest may say, read the gospel for the day. Or if there's a missalette handy, you know, say some of the prayers that are on the back of the missalette, something like that. But sometimes uh, I think a penance can be an action, uh, depending on the sin. You know, and uh, if it's something a little bit out of the ordinary with uh, uh, more than just saying prayers, for example, and if, if I have something like an action in mind, I, 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 I'll try, I'll discuss that with the person and I won't just impose it on them. Let, let's say someone is, has confessed to having a fight with, with his or her spouse and, um, they, you know, they feel real bad about that. I said, well, how about for your penance if you take your spouse out for dinner? <laughs> how, how do you feel about that? And they said, yeah, that, that's a good idea. I'd like to do that. There's the, there's the sense then that you really are kind of making up for, for what, what was wrong there. Another person may be, may not feel comfortable with that, but so I, I think it depends on what the sin is and, and the penance as a way of, of again, making restitution in the restorative sense, not only of restoring things that are stolen, but, but restoring a broken relationship. And that's an opportunity then to be frank as well. If, if father asks you something and, and perhaps you are, uh, for whatever reason, not very comfortable with it, um, to, to just say, so, well, Father, I might have, I, I have a reservation about taking my spouse out to dinner. Um, 
is it okay to ask if there's something else that yes. perhaps I could do? Yes, I think that's why I said it's almost uh, almost sort of negotiating it. I don't want to just impose that on somebody if they're not not comfortable doing it. For example, if if it's like if 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 it's just not their their if the couple's practice to go out for dinner, that might seem you know, very unusual. That all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, there's this proposal to go out to dinner. So maybe something more practical, and and that and, and sometimes I might even ask the the penitent, like, well. What do you think would be a good uh, penance to make up for that sin? And uh, I, I find more often than not the person is much harsher on, on themselves than, than I would be. Yeah. Now, uh, as we journey into the season of Lent, which is coming up, one of the things I praise God that I notice is our confession lines get a little longer. Um, as much as we do our examination of conscience, we go in there with the best of intentions to make a good confession. It happens to, I think, the best of us at some point in our lives that we do forget to confess something. And uh, perhaps you know, the question comes up, all right, well, I went in and right as I walk out, oh no, I forgot to to confess this. But I look and there's 20 people in line uh-huh. and mass is going to start in, in 10 minutes and I might not have the opportunity to get back in that confessional before Mass begins. Uh, what do we do? <laughs> well, uh, a couple of things. I two distinctions. One distinction between whether that was truly forgetting or, or intentionally holding something back. So if we held something back because we felt ashamed or we didn't want to mention that, well, then that's different from truly forgetting. If, if, if you've honestly forgotten the sin, uh, it is forgiven. Um, but if it, now, the other distinction is a mortal sin or a venial sin. So if it's a venial sin, it's it's forgiven, and as I said, even you know, in receiving Holy Communion, forgives our venial sin. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about the venial sin. If if you, again, I, I, as I said, but it's best to put the mortal sins at the top of the list so you don't forget them. But let's say you do, you walk out the confessions. Oh my goodness, that I had this on my mind and I forgot to say it. Well, first of all, it is forgiven uh, because you received absolution, and it was not an intentional withholding of mentioning that sin. But there is that obligation at the next opportunity. You should say, Father, uh, my last confession, I, I forgot to confess this. I know my sins were forgiven, but I just want to mention this sin that I, I forgot to confess. So if, if it is forgiven, as you said, mm-hmm. um, we'll confess that the next time we go to confession, could we receive Holy Communion at that Mass, or would that be a reason uh, to, to maybe refrain from receiving Holy Communion? No, I, I would say in a case like that, you can, you can go to communion because, again, it was, a not, it was not intentional. Your sins were forgiven. Um, and usually, um, you know, we do say a, a way to conclude your confession, for example, when you're, what, it's a signal to the priest that you're done. Because sometimes, sometimes people pause in between their sins because they're trying to remember. And so the priest is not going to say anything because he's, he's thinking, well, he, the, the penitent's trying to remember some sins. But if you are done, it's good to say, uh, for these and all my sins, I'm very sorry. But you've just said, for these and all my sins, I'm very sorry. Uh, and so if you forgot to mention one, and you've already included it. Uh, I would say it's, it's similar in that regard, like a, a situation where somebody's received general absolution, you know, like uh, a soldier and going into battle receives general absolution. All your mortal sins are forgiven for in general absolution, but you still have the obligation to confess those mortal sins at your next opportunity. So in the meantime, though, um, yes, you, let's say you, the, you're going to battle and, and the priest is hearing, gives general absolution, celebrating Mass for everybody, and gives communion. Yes, you can go to communion, but you still have that obligation to confess the mortal sins at your next opportunity. Finally, um, 
as, as we've been talking about this wonderful sacrament, I have a question about our priests. And it's been on my heart how grateful I am for our priests and everything that their vocation means, the things that they say yes to when our Lord asks. And one of those, of course, is this beautiful sacrament and the number of hours that they sit hearing confessions. And I don't know how to express that gratitude sometimes. So I want to ask you, as the as the bishop of many priests of the Diocese of Springfield, what is a good way to pray in thanksgiving for our priests, for you and, and all of our priests that are hearing these confessions and uh, giving that time for our Lord and for us? Well, I think uh, two ways come to mind. One would be simply to, to say that to the priest uh, at the end of your confession, you know, after he's given you absolution and and say, he says to you, go in peace, you could simply say, you know, thank you, Father, for taking the time to hear my confession, you know, and, and just, just to, to give those words of gratitude. And then the other thing would be to, to pray for him. So perhaps after you've completed your penance, uh, you throw in an extra prayer uh, for the priest. And, um, and so to all the priests that are, are listening, uh, I just want to say, as a bishop, thank you for taking the time uh, to do that. I know sometimes... Uh, uh, it's a question of availability, and I know for the faithful that's very important that, that we make ourselves uh, available. And even if you're in a parish where not a whole lot of people seem to go to confession, it's important to be there um, and bring a book, bring your prayer book, say the rosary, do it, or you know, whatever. Just you're there, and, and people will get the message eventually that, that Father's in the, he's the, in the confessional, and they will come. And then and my other message to priests that are listening is to encourage them to go to confession themselves. I think that makes us better confessors when we know the mercy of God's forgiveness and we experience it often. I um, uh, had a very uh, beautiful experience of uh, this last November, our bishop's meeting in Baltimore. Uh, we, our previous meetings had been by Zoom, uh, so we couldn't do this, but we we're back in person and uh, we started our meeting that week in Baltimore uh, with a, a morning of recollection, which included uh, confession. A number of priests were brought in as confessors, and it was very encouraging and, I, I would say, inspiring uh, to see long lines of bishops going to confession. So I think uh, it's important for the faithful to know, and I think especially for our priests to know that your bishops are going to confession too. You know, I was going to say we were finished, but your comment you just made made me think of one last thing here. We all have those moments in life that are big moments. I, I can think of some friends who are engaged to be married right now, and, and praise God for that. And soon enough, their wedding date will be here. I can think of friends who are welcoming children into their lives soon, either their first or fifth or, or, or so on and so forth. Um, is that also a good opportunity? Perhaps maybe we don't necessarily have a mortal sin to confess, but we talk about devotional confessions when we're about to go through something big in life, whether it's a marriage or the birth of a child or starting a new job, but just uh, one of those pivotal moments or hallmark moments in life to stop and say, you know, I want to start this right. I'm going to go to confession. Yes, that's a very good uh, idea to do that because, uh, well, when I was a parish priest and I would do wedding rehearsals, I would often, after we're done, we've gone through the rehearsal, and I would just sort of make a general announcement, all right, I'm going over to the confessional, I'm going to sit there, and if anybody wants to go to confession, fine. If not, I'll see you a little bit later at the rehearsal dinner, but I would always make myself available. And, and many people, especially the bride and groom, would take advantage of that opportunity, uh, but many other people did it as well. So it could be you know, a, a, a special moment like, your, like a wedding or baptism 
uh, to take advantage of that because, I, again, I think that will make that you know, much more meaningful spiritually. Wonderful. Well, Your Excellency, I, I want to thank you for this opportunity because sometimes I think we are a little prideful and ashamed to ask about specifics. Well, I should know how to make a good confession. I've been a Catholic all my life, and I've been going to confessions in second grade, but it's good to have this opportunity really to go in-depth and, and have a little bit of a refresher here. Could I ask you to lead us in prayer as we close? Absolutely. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your many graces. We thank you, especially in our conversation today, for the great grace and the gift of your mercy and the sacrament of uh, penance by which we are reconciled to you and to our brothers and sisters. We ask you to help us to have a great appreciation for this sacrament that we may uh, take advantage of this opportunity very frequently so that we may overcome our sins to truly repent and convert and to, to grow in your grace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bishop Thomas Paprocki, thank you so much for being with us today. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are done with snow, but we are not finished with its effects because this snow will refrigerate our air mass. So partly sunny today, a high of 25, but it will be very cold tonight with a low of zero. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high on Saturday of 28. Sunday, lots of sun with a high of 35 to 38. It's hard to believe we're wrapping up another week of encouragement, but here with our daily dose of encouragement is Patty Schneier. We're talking about building up the kingdom of God right in our local parishes and how we need to commit, get involved, use our gifts and talents. Today, on this final day of the week, I do want to end with this reminder. To everything, there is a season. So there is a time to join in. And there is a time to step aside and do something new. If you're burned out on whatever ministry or whatever you've been doing for so many years and there needs to be some new blood, it's maybe time to take an inventory, step aside, but still maybe do something else instead. Always doing something, even if the responsibilities take you to a specific apostolate or a new level or whatever it may be, you're still doing something good for your parish. In my own life, for example, when I became so involved in public ministry and we're doing things for the diocese or doing things, you know, on a national level and traveling and speaking, I did have to take an inventory and had to cut back on some of the things I was doing at my local parish. However, I wanted to still choose the things that were most important to me. So I still sing at my parish. I still lecture at daily mass. I still do things where I can give of my time, talent, and treasure to my local parish, even if maybe ministry takes you in other directions. So again, to everything, there is a season. We need to be reminded of that to have balance. And maybe that's your encouragement today is to maybe choose a new ministry, a new area in your life, even if you have to change what you've been doing for maybe so many years. That's a very necessary encouragement for many of us, that there is a season for everything, and from time to time we need to evaluate that. Patty, thank you for that wonderful reminder, and thank you for this great topic. This has been a very vital topic for me, I know, and for many of our listeners. Friends, you're listening to Covenant Network. Don't worry, we'll be back with more encouragements next week. Well, like we said at the beginning of the show, today's been a little different. It's been one segment with Bishop Paprocki, but one wonderful segment with 
Bishop Apraki about a sacrament that we all need to frequent, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So if it's been a while, I hope you were inspired to go. If you go often, I hope this has been an aid for you to make an even better confession the next time you go. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, on behalf of our normal Roadmap Roundup panel, we hope you have a great weekend. If you get to play in the snow, that it gets to be fun. Be safe out there. I'll be back with you next week for more Roadmap to Heaven. Until then, have a blessed weekend and pray your rosary today.